We are back on a Wednesday. Today is October 18th, 2023. And um, if you were looking for last Wednesday, you won't find that on the podcast because we were not here. We were at Revival up at First Baptist Church Elliston. And so we didn't do a podcast for last Wednesday. And so we're back, and we're, we're in chapter 33. It took us a couple weeks to get through 32. That was a long chapter. So now, and those, and those two chapters were about what, what, what they call, they call it the Song of Moses. And there was a whole lot of information, um, a lot of warnings, a lot of... Um, all kinds of things, and it, it wasn't, it was more on the warning side and trying to get them ready. Not a lot of positive stuff said. If you think about it, you go back, you know, it was just warning after warning. And now we're in 33. This is what we, we would call a blessing. Uh, let's start reading. Deuteronomy 33. Well, let's pray first. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this evening. And Father, uh, we just want to thank you for the opportunity that we were able to go to the revival last week on Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. Father, uh, some of us um, were able to go to multiple nights. And Father, I just thank you for that opportunity and the people that we met um, fellow believers that uh, we need to have relationship with in this in this uh, in our area, and Father, we just want to just continue to pray for people that that uh, the people in these communities around us that um, their hearts will be touched, that we would be better at um, praying and asking that your will be done, that the Holy Spirit would move through and touch people's hearts and bring them to the house of God so that we could meet together and worship together. Father, we want to see more people coming to the church houses. And Father, that revival was a time of equipping believers to be better at doing the Great Commission and uh, helping us to be revived in our efforts to reach the lost. And Father, as we get into your word tonight, I pray that the Holy Spirit will help us to understand your word and that uh, we will just get to know you even better by studying your word. And Father, we know that faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. And Father, we want to... um, have more knowledge of you, and the more we know of you, about you, and how much you care for us, the more faith we have in you. Thank you, Lord. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. And this is the blessing wherewith Moses, the man of God, blessed the children of Israel before his death. And he said, The Lord came from Sinai and rose up from Seir, Unto them he shined forth from Mount Paran, 
And he came with ten thousands of saints. From his right hand went a fury law for them. Now, some people say that that right there is talking about the angels. And, uh, you know, you can see the law at Sinai. You can see how, you know, that uh, just reminding that he, the, the law is God's communication to his people in that if we keep his commandments, his precepts, his testimonies, all of those things that he has written for us in this Bible, and it is a good thing. It directs us in the ways we should go. Like I said in the prayer, the more we read the Word of God, the more we know about him, and the more we know about him, the more faith we're going to have in him. You know, if you... If you know you can have faith in a person, and you might meet someone, you don't really know them, but you meet them, and you can you know first impression you might say you know what this seems like a very trustworthy person. But the more you get to know them, the more you're going to know whether you can have faith in them or not. And I was talking about. That at the jail, of course, Cameron did the teaching last night, and then I just uh, um, did a little bit at the very end, and I was talking about how would you know? Do you trust? Did, I, I used the movie Taken. I don't know if I've seen a little bits and pieces of it where when it would come on TV a long time ago, and that movie is based on a young girl who was abducted and taken away. And her father was some special agent type guy, you know, he knew all the uh, fighting and, and weapons and everything, and they basically, they took the wrong girl. So he was going after her. But, you know, it's a fictional movie. But that girl, if she knew anything about her father, she knew that he was coming and he was going to find her because she had great faith in her father because she knew him so well and knew that he would die trying. Well, there's an even better movie, The Sound of Freedom, that was a very real story of little children being sold into slavery, and you know that guy that worked for the United States government that that movie was based on going down into South America, and he risked his life to go after that little girl after he had rescued her brother, realized what was going on with the whole slave market for, for children, and um, he was determined that he was going to go find her. So that man, you can have a lot of faith in him because he has proven that he will do anything and everything to find an innocent child and to take them to safety. Well, if you can have faith in men you should have way more faith in your Lord and Savior because he proved that he would go to the very end of things for you to save you from bondage and eternity in hell. So he proved that to us. So we have 
all faith in Jesus. And he can never, ever fail. You know, you can, you can see different places. You can see faith in the Trinity itself. You can see the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And you can see in each one that they had complete faith in the other. You know, the Holy Spirit forced Jesus out into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil. And the Father had no doubts. Jesus knew that the Father was going to, in the end, it, Jesus knew that he could surrender all power and allow himself to be nailed to a cross and all the sins of the world be placed on him, knowing that the Father would not be able to look upon that and he would be totally vulnerable and die. But yet he knew he had total faith in the Father to raise him up out of the grave. <clears throat> So we should love this Word of God because the more we read it, the more we study it, the more we hear it preached, the more faith that we have in God. Yea, he loved the people, all his saints are in thy hand, and they sat down at thy feet, every one shall receive of thy words." All right, so God loved this nation of Israel, and he calls them saints. That just doesn't seem quite right, does it? Um, and they sat down at thy feet, every one shall receive of thy words. <clears throat> but yet you look at Israel, and you, by the time you're in Deuteronomy, and you look back and see all of the things they did wrong, and you're going, uh, this doesn't make sense to me. Well, remember when Balaam was hired to put a curse on Israel? He didn't know who they were. He just knew it was an opportunity to make some good money, and he decided he would like to do that. But he was also on talking terms with God Almighty, so he... He probably hadn't had an issue before with putting curses on people or blessing people, whatever, whatever the money was going to you know, come in for him doing. So he went to God, and God said, Well, no, you, can't, you cannot curse those people, for they are blessed. And then when uh, Balak comes to him, and Balaam's trying to explain to Balak, Look, God won't let me curse them because they're a blessed people. And in Numbers 23, 21, it says, He hath not beheld iniquity in Jacob, neither hath he seen perverseness in Israel. The Lord his God is with him, and the shout of a king is among them. But yet, you can turn back a few pages in your Bible from, that, from him making that claim, and you can see the fiery serpents coming in and biting all the people. You, you can go back and see the story of uh, Korah and, and all of his followers and the earth opening up and they get swallowed in. And you're, you're thinking, uh, God hath not beheld iniquity in Jacob. That's just another word for, a name for Israel, right? 
So Jacob's name was changed to Israel, and you see that back and forth over and over again. You'll, you'll hear Jacob, you'll hear Israel, but it, and it can be talking about Jacob both times. So he hath, he hath not beheld iniquity in Jacob. And you're thinking, what? We've got all kinds of examples of where he could say they have iniquity. Well, there's something that we need to learn about that. You know, God, when, when the Apostle Paul was writing Romans, he said in Romans 4, 17, uh, that, that God quickeneth the dead. He's able to make the dead alive, and he's able to, uh, it said, and calleth those things which be not as though they were. And so we need to understand that we have, we have a certain... Uh, standing, if we're, if we're hid in Jesus, then God sees nothing but perfectness. So he's actually calling those things that be not as though they were. So that's a great thing. You know, Abraham believed God, and it wasn't perfect belief. He did a lot of wrong things. You know, he believed God, and he, walk, he wandered around everywhere. I mean, this is part of this past Sunday's message. I didn't get near, I mean, I had a whole lot to get to. I was trying to break it down to three verses and, and then move on from there next time. But, you know, just, just doing all the study on that, you know, Abraham was told to pack up and just to go start looking for a city whose builder and maker is God, and he never found it. He wandered and wandered and wandered, but he wandered because God said, go look for it. And he did, expecting to find it. So he was trusting God. And he also told him that you're going to have a son through Sarah. Well, that was impossible. But yet God said it. So then, then, of course, Abraham is like, well, maybe God needs a little help. Maybe, you know, we could do it this way. And, and we all do those things. We, God tells, gives us a promise in the Bible, and then we come up with our way to make it happen. When we're supposed to wait on Him and do it His way, even though it may not make a lot of sense to us, our carnal minds uh, just can't quite understand God's ways. So we need to show that faith that I was talking about earlier by just believing what He said and just go on with it. Not understanding how it's all going to work in the end, but just know that it's going to because he said so. Four, Moses commanded us a law. Notice that he, Moses is the one writing this, but yet he's using his name. He, he's, he's talking like, what is that, third person? Moses commanded us a law, even the inheritance of the congregation of Jacob. Now, some people might say that uh, maybe, maybe Joshua was writing this part of it because of that. <clears throat> I don't know. And he was king in Jeshurun when the heads of the people and the tribes of Israel were gathered together. Now, from 6 all the way through, let's see where it ends looks like 24. We're going to see this blessing on each of the tribes. Now pay very close attention 
to the names of these tribes and see if you can tell me which one's missing. Alright? There's one missing, but maybe not really missing, but the name's not there. Alright, starting with six. Let Reuben live. Now, who was Reuben? He was the, which, which one? Uh, as far as order of birth of all the twelve sons. He was number one. He was the firstborn. So, there he is. First one mentioned. Let Reuben live and not die, and let not his men be few. Seven. And this is the blessing of Judah. Now, see, he was the fourth. This is not in order of birth, but uh, that is, that's the fourthborn. And this is the blessing of Judah. And he said, Hear, Lord, the voice of Judah, and bring him unto his people. Let his hands be sufficient for him, and be thou an help to him from his enemies. And of Levi he said, Let thy thummim, thummim, and thy urim, be with thy holy one, whom thou didst prove at Massa, and with whom thou didst strive at the waters of Meribah. So what is Thummim and Urim? Anybody know? I really need somebody to know. You expect me to know this? Well... All right, so it, when, you're, when you're trying to figure something like that out, because there's not too many people who know for sure, that well, from what I can tell. So what you do, you try to get, let the Bible define itself. So what you could do is you can get your uh, concordance. Lights and perfections. What's that? Lights and perfections. Lights and perfection. That's, that's the meaning of those two words? Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Oh, shit. I'm looking at my lights. Which one? It's in Exodus 28:30, but it says Urim and Thummim, Thummim, meaning lights and perfections. Some make these to be simply a collective name for the stones of the breastplate, so that the total effect of the twelve stones is to manifest the lights and perfections of him who is the antitype of the Aaronic high priest. Right. Okay. I don't know if people could hear you from all the way out there. Uh, so, so if we're going to go back. So if you take your concordance and you look at where these are mentioned in the Bible, and so let me tell you where they are. Now, some of them actually doesn't say those two words. Some of these only references an ephod, an ephod, which is that cloth that, you know, that vest type thing that they would put on, the priest would put on. But the breastplate, now these must have been two stones that were put on the breastplate. And so light and perfection is what you saw there in, the, in, in your notes in your Bible. All right, so if you go back, so all right, here's uh, 
Exodus 28.30 is what you read, right? It said, so that, that verse is, And thou shalt put in the breastplate of judgment the Urim and the Thummim, and they shall be upon Aaron's heart when he goeth in before the Lord, and Aaron shall bear the judgment of the children of Israel upon his heart before the Lord continually. Okay, now, the f- that's being the first place in the Bible where this is mentioned. It's also mentioned, as far as what I wrote down, was Leviticus 8.8, Numbers 27.21, and then here in Deuteronomy, and then 1 Samuel 23.9. And now, some of these, only one of those words is mentioned, and in other verses, neither are mentioned, but it's assumed, evidently. Uh, so in 1 Samuel, it's in 23.9, 30, 37, 30, verse, chapter 30, verse 7. Then it's also in Ezra 2.63 and Nehemiah 7.65, and they, as far as I know, those two are duplicates. They say the exact same thing. The story is repeated. So, you know, one's Ezra's version of it, and then Nehemiah, and as far as I can tell, they're exactly the same. So, my point is, when you have a word in the Bible and you don't know what it means, if you can look at how many times it's used in the Bible, try to find that out, and then go to the very first time it's used, and that's usually the most descriptive of that word. Okay? So Levi, being the priestly tribe, they're going to be the ones that have this, these stones in the breast, the breast, in the breastplate, which we know there's 12 stones in the breastplate. So that makes sense for them. Uh, nine, who said unto his father and to his mother, I have not seen him, neither did he acknowledge his brethren, nor knew his own children, for they have observed thy word and kept thy covenant. So they, you know, Levi were the ones that stood up for uh, when, when people did the bad things, they're the ones that stood up and said what was right. So they're going to be the ones who teach the rest of the nation of Israel. They're going to be the ones that are responsible for keeping the word, and, and they're going to be in different parts of the nation of Israel. They didn't get land. They just had cities. And probably every division of the land, all the other tribes got divisions of land. But Levi did not. All right, so far, we've talked about Reuben. We've talked about Judah and Levi. So who are, who's missing out of those? There's, there's, a, there's, a, there's another one that's not mentioned. You know who it is? It'd be the second born. Levi, I'm pretty sure, was the third born. And then Judah was fourth. So who was number two? Simeon. So he's, he's not mentioned here. I wonder why. Why is he not mentioned? Now... Let me read a little bit more, and then we're going to go back to Genesis for a few minutes, 
and look at another place where all these tribes were talked about. And that's when Jacob was on his deathbed. Remember that? We did it a long time ago. We went through all of those except for Benjamin. We never really got into Benjamin because the, the whole story behind Benjamin is in the future. So I stopped once we got to Benjamin because that's when Christ comes back way different than when he came the first time. Benjamin, that wolf represents him, and that he's, he's a ravening wolf. He comes back, and he's, there's going to be some bloodshed when he comes back. It's going to be totally different. Uh, all right, so 10. They shall teach. That's this talking about uh, the tribe of Levi. They shall teach Jacob thy judgments and Israel thy law. Notice Jacob and Israel. You could interchange those words. They still mean the same thing, but we won't do it. We're not going to change Jacob to Israel when it says Jacob. We're not going to change Israel to Jacob when it says Israel because that would be wrong because there's probably a certain number of times that Jacob is used that has some very significant meaning that we may not know. It's the same thing with Israel. How many times is Israel mentioned and there's probably a reason that it's mentioned a certain number of times. So we'll leave it the way it is. Uh, it, thy law, they shall put incense before thee and whole burnt sacrifice upon thine altar. So that's what the priestly tribe did. That's what they ended up doing. 11. Bless, Lord, his substance and accept the work of his hands smite through the loins of them that rise against him. So, is it alright to pray for things like that? You know, there's some places in the Bible where, uh, in this, maybe in the Psalms, where it says, uh, break out, God, break out the teeth of our enemies. Or God does break out the teeth. That's pretty rough. So, smite through the loins of them that rise against him and of them that hate him, that they rise not again. So, really, we, should, we can pray this about the enemies of Israel right now, what's going on over there right now. The terrorist people. Um, you know, people talk about how, you know, how did Israel allow that to happen? I mean, how did they get caught off guard like that because they are the most ready people in the world and you know people say well you know they got caught uh, not being ready that would be like saying you left your door unlocked and people came in and murdered your family well hey it's your fault you left your door unlocked isn't that ridiculous the fact is they came in and murdered you can leave the door wide open that doesn't give anybody the right to come in and slaughter People come up with these crazy ideas. Uh, Twelve. And of Benjamin, he said, the beloved of the Lord shall dwell in safety by him. Now, Benjamin is, was known for... Uh, it, all of his territory is, it would probably be all around Jerusalem and the mountains thereof, and he's the one that would protect that holy city. And boy, was he good at it. The tribe of Benjamin, the people who were the descendants of Benjamin, they were fierce fighters. That would be the perfect people to have around the holy city. <clears throat> so dwell in safety by him, and the Lord shall cover him 
all the day long, and he shall dwell between his shoulders. And of Joseph, he said, Blessed of the Lord be his land for the precious things of heaven, for the dew and for the deep that coucheth beneath. Okay, so you got dew falling from heaven, and then you've got water coming from springs from, from beneath. And where the water is, that's where everything is lush. You get all kinds of things growing. Um, you know, just think about Joseph and what he represented back in, in Genesis, where if it wasn't for him being treated very badly and sold into slavery down in Egypt, then he would have never been there to save the world from starvation. So Joseph represents something very, very special, and uh, you, you still see it right here. What that tribe represents is um, bountiful harvest, all the good things. Uh, 14 says, And for the precious fruits brought forth by the sun, and for the precious things put forth by the moon. So what the sun, we know what that does for crops. And then the moon would be the phases of, you know, harvest time, planting time, all that stuff. And for the chief things of the ancient mountains and for the precious things of the lasting hills. And for the precious things of the earth and fullness thereof and for the goodwill of him that dwelt in the bush. So God was dwelling in the bush when Moses walked up to that burning bush, let the blessing come upon the head of Joseph and upon the top of the head of him that was separated from his brethren. And yes, he was. You know, Jesus was separated from his place, where his home, in, the glory, you know, in, in heaven. Uh, he was in glory, but yet he was separated and, and came down amongst uh, his brethren here the nation of Israel, and he came unto his own, and his own received him not. So the story of Joseph is a type and picture of what we see when Jesus came down, being the favorite of the Father, and standing out. He stood out. Like Joseph stood out with that coat of many colors, and the brothers were jealous of him, and they meant evil for him, just like that's exactly what happened to Jesus when he showed up. His 17, his glory is like the firstling of his bullock, and his horns are like the horns of unicorns. With them he shall push the people together to the ends of the earth, and they are the ten thousands of Ephraim, and they are the thousands of Manasseh. So, you know, those are the two sons of Joseph. Ephraim was the second born. Manasseh should have had the birthright of the firstborn, but when Jacob blessed him, he switched it up. And that has some, some deep meaning to that. Um, you, it, it, just, it goes back to Abraham being the first, Jesus being the second, but yet Jesus was the one that's raised up above the first, just like, like this here. Uh, same thing with Esau and Jacob. So there's a type and picture in, the, in those stories. So Ephraim, it says 10,000, and that's, that's just a play on words. 
pretty sure that's the same thing that the women were saying when David came back from battle, when they said Saul has killed his thousands, but David has killed his ten thousands. It's a figure of speech, not necessarily. Um, it's just that David's way more uh, prosperous in his doings than Saul was, just like Ephraim will be too, because he's blessed. He's got a double portion. All right, 18, and of Zebulun, he said, Rejoice, Zebulun, in thy going out, and Issachar, in thy tents. They shall call the people unto the mountain. There they shall offer sacrifices of righteousness, for they shall suck of the abundance of the seas and of treasures hid in the sand. All right, now, there are certain people who will say that uh, Zebulun and Issachar... They were landlocked, and there's no way that they would have been able to benefit from the sea. I'm pretty sure that I shared that when we were going over this in Genesis 49, that uh, in actuality, after archaeological discoveries, it turns out that they did have access to the sea. So you have people who think they know that actually are wrong and that this actually makes sense. <clears throat> uh, what, what people will do, if they see something in Scripture, and they don't have the proof of it, what they think is the proof of it, then they start, uh, want to make it be right. They don't want anybody to say, well, there's something wrong in the Bible. Right here. Because they weren't at the sea, you know, all that. Well, come to find out, they actually did border the sea. But people who don't, understand that now, or, or before that was discovered, they would say, well, this must have millennial meaning. So it'll be, it'll be true in the millennium. They might be right, but they're just trying to make the Word of God right. I already know it's right. <laughs> you don't have to explain it to me. Uh, if it says that they uh, had all this stuff from the sea, however they did it, they did it because the Bible said it right here. Uh, and of Gad, he said, Blessed be he that enlargeth Gad. He dwelleth as a lion, and teareth the arm with the crown of the head. And he provided the first part for himself, because there in a portion of the lawgiver was he seated, and he came with the heads of the people. He executed the justice of the Lord, and his judgments with Israel. And of Dan, he said, Dan is a lion's whelp. He shall leap from Bashan. And of Naphtali, he said, O Naphtali, satisfied with favor and full with the blessing of the Lord, possess thou the west and, and the south. And of Asher, he said, let Asher be blessed with children. Let him be acceptable to his brethren and let him dip his foot in oil. Well, if you go back in time, and you'll, you'll know that the olive groves were enormous in the land of, of Asher. Uh, Thy shoe shall be iron and brass. Well, that's interesting. That would be, it wouldn't be all that comfortable. But it doesn't mean actual shoes. Um, so shall thy strength be. There is none like unto the God of Jeshurun, who rideth upon the heaven in thy help, and in his, in his excellency on the sky. All right, so let's stop right here, 
and we've we've run out of time so um, I mean this is I want to read out of Genesis 49 I want to I want to I'm going to I'm going to give you one little thing out of Genesis 49 when Jacob is blessing that you know they say he's blessing everybody but in Genesis 49 it's not just blessing and good things that are going to happen in the future. It's the truth comes out as well. So Reuben being the firstborn, he should have had the most blessing. But Reuben did a very sinful thing. If you remember, he took of one of his father's concubines and defiled his bed, and that was a very bad thing to do. Horrible thing to do, but Reuben did that. So when you're reading in, in these blessings, it's, it's also things that you have done in the past, and if, you're, if you never get right with God and He has forgiven you of all your sins, all these things are going to come out one day. And you're going to be so embarrassed because your sins of the past will be made known to everyone. But if you're in Christ and he's, He has taken all your sins away, they won't be brought up. Because... All right, so let's look at Reuben, and if you want to turn to Genesis 49, it says, Reuben, thou art my firstborn, my might, and the beginning of my strength, the excellency of dignity, and the excellency of power. Now, Reuben is really sitting up in his chair, and he's like, yeah, keep on talking, Dad. And then, all of a sudden, unstable as water. What? Thou shalt not excel. Oh, uh, really? Because thou wentest up to thy father's bed, then defiledest thou it, he went up to my couch. So it was, you should have been this, and at the beginning you were. You were doing so good. But then you let lust take over, and now this is where you're at. Now, notice the second one. What was missing over in Deuteronomy? Simeon, right? Well, look at how it is back here with, in, in, when Jacob is doing this. Simeon, so Moses is doing it over, he's, he's doing this over in, in Deuteronomy. He's speaking all these things to all the tribes. Well, back here is, is where the, all, these tri, all these heads of the tribes are still alive. And Jacob... He's on his deathbed, and isn't it amazing that all 12 of his sons are gathered around? You know, not, that's, that's, that would be very unusual today for someone to have all their children gathered around them at the same time. When you have that many, usually something has happened or they're a long ways away. But notice what it says. It says, Simeon and Levi, they're together. So over in Deuteronomy, maybe when he's mentioning Levi, he might also be mentioning uh, Simeon. They're together right here. Or he could be putting Simeon in with Judah as far as uh, if you look at how they settled the land, Simeon kind of uh, mixed in with the people of the tribe of Judah. So either one could be. It's just one of them things we really don't know but I like this where Simeon and Levi... Now, Simeon and Levi did a very bad thing together. 
they were trying to avenge their sister, and they went in and did some really rough stuff. So they were, you know, together. Simeon and Levi are brethren. Yeah, they are. But are all of these guys brethren? I mean, Reuben and Judah, they're also brothers from the same mom. <clears throat> they all have the same father, but they're brethren. That means that they were tight. They, they conspired with each other to do things. Instruments of cruelty are in their habitations. O oh, my soul, come not thou into their secret, unto their assembly. Mine honor, be not thou united, for in their anger they slew a man. Well, they slew way more than a man. And in their self-will they dig down a wall. And if you look up the, what thou that means, it'll be, it'll be kind of funny. Uh, Cursed be their anger, for it was fierce, and their wrath, for it was cruel. I will divide them in Jacob and scatter them in Israel. So they're together here, but in the future, maybe it's true that Simeon and, then, and Levi were, were pushed apart. Of course, Levi was scattered all over the place, like I said earlier. You know, the, most of the tribes stayed together, but the tribe of Levi, they were scattered all over the nation because of their job of doing the sacrifices and teaching the word and all that stuff. Okay, all right, so just remember where we were today. We'll, we'll pick up on this and finish up 33 and read more out of Genesis 49 uh, next week, next Wednesday. All right, let's pray. Heavenly Father, once again, we thank you for this night. And Father, thank you for your word and just help us to... Um, just have a desire to want to be in your word, to read it, to meditate on it. It'll just be part of us. Father, be with those who are feeling bad, um, the sicknesses that are going around. Father, be with uh, each and every one of them and um, just give them a healing touch. Thank you, Father, for all your many blessings. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.